Welcome to the Chai Break Podcast with your host, Shweta Ravi Shankar and Rama Rao, coming to you from New York City. Each week, we brew up conversations steeped in our cross-cultural experiences, growing up in India and moving abroad in our 20s. From feminism to fashion, colorism to colonialism, join us on our journey of becoming. With elements that almost every immigrant, irrespective of background, can relate to, we hope you enjoy our conversations and chime in along the way. So let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome to Episode 7 of the Chai Break Podcast. This week, we want to begin with our review. This comes all the way from Belen from Argentina. She has this to say about our self-love episode. I really enjoyed this episode. I felt so identified. I understand the part about growing up in India, and I think the story is very similar in Latin America, where people grow up with guilty notions that often stem from religion, in my case, Catholic. So it was always the others first, and thinking about yourself was never considered to be good. We have to change that and be okay with taking care of ourselves first. Thank you so much for this beautiful podcast. Thank you, Belen. Nothing makes us happier than when our episodes resonate with all of our listeners. Right, Rama? That is so true. Thank you so much, Belen. And I'm so glad that we're kind of being heard worldwide and we're getting these uh, really fabulous reviews and feedback. Thank you all. Really, this makes our day. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So how's your week been, Rama, so far? How are you doing? Oh, it's been great, Shweta. I mean, the usual, you know, the usual work and home and other stuff going on and juggling many different things. But I have to tell you, I came across this really interesting article. I think you'll find this fascinating, especially in the context of what we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. So this is from the um, the South Asian magazine uh, called Juggernaut. Have you, have you read that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. They have some really good pieces in there. And this was actually about, um, you know, the cultural stereotypes so stereotypes of brown mothers in relation to comedy for example these series that we're watching never have i ever and you know lily singh mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. on so basically um the article is the how the brown mom became a diaspora comedy favorite and that pretty much talks about the comical stereotyping of brown moms <laughs> It mm-hmm. kind of pays homage to the characters of Lily Singh and her mom version, Paramjeet Singh. Uh-huh. Have you seen? She's hilarious. Yeah, I so, love her. So I funny. love her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and Pinky Patel. And more recently, Purna Jagannathan from the recently popular show, Never Have I Ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, her role there is Dr. Nalini Vishukumar. What a great show, right, Shweta? Yep. I love it. Love it. I just like binge watched the season two and yeah, I can't get enough of it. Yeah, I actually binge watched too. I think anybody who I've spoken to about the show, they have just binge watched this. And <laughs> we, ident- we identify with those characters in that show a lot. And I think that's what makes it so interesting for us. Even my daughter, mm-hmm. Ananya, she identifies with some of those uh, cultural, you know, dialogues that goes on. It's just, it's just such a funny show. Yeah. So basically, although these characters, basically all these brown moms in these shows, have helped carve a segment for the brown moms in the entertainment industry. And they have pretty much introduced the typical brown mom stereotype to the world, kind of making it more mainstream. Mm -hmm. There is always this question as to whether it is time to move past these stereotypes and to kind of whether it's time to overhaul these cultural stereotypes instead of kind of reinforcing them, right? True, true, So is it like, Mm -hmm. is Lily Paramjit Singh, oh, Punjabi mother, always going to be like that? Is that Tamilian 
mother like Nalini Vishwakumar always going to you know say exactly the same dialogues right. and really right. have the same mannerisms or is it about time that we kind of you know change a little bit of the narrative and really say what is you know some of the progressive things that's going on as well that, that's true right? in these right. cultures yeah so that's basically that was the segment i thought that was very interesting so that's why we've named this episode <laughs> are we are moms or our ammas are we becoming them have we become them you know that's the big question right that, that is so true uh, absolutely mm-hmm. you and i have talked about this before and in the context of the show we're going to talk about it well but some of the things we've seen in these shows are so similar right to what our moms and grandmoms or aunts would say definitely i mean i have to say raba i mean devi's mom sounds a whole lot like my mom <laughs> <laughs> and i can feel you know what devi felt like i i yeah, i cringe cuz like that's exactly how i felt and it it can be you know in some ways you're just like oh my god no i never want to hear that again but you know there are things that we've heard all through our you know growing up years right yeah like the dialogues are so impeccable like you know mm-hmm. somewhere she when when she sees uh, you know devi kissing this ben guy mm-hmm. in the car right after like you know they go and cremate the father's ashes mm-hmm. and um, she has this ghastly look on her face the mom character nalade vishwakumar and you know kind of some of the words she spouts us like avutta karida that means it's like you know free roam for people who don't know tamil it means free roaming donkey <laughs> so she kind of when she gets angry she uses terms like that which exactly uh-huh. which is the terms i've heard growing definitely, up when <laughs> when my mom wanted to like give me a spank she'd be like avutta karida and then um you know when she tries to be like really endearing to the daughter she calls her kanna and that's another uh-huh. term right my mom used to use a lot when she really wanted to like uh-huh. so kind of be really more endearing to me it'd be like kanna yeah. kanna and so on so they've nailed that character so much and i identify with that so well that's right that's <laughs> right cuz yeah i mean i think um so i grew up you know speaking kannada but i think my, you know arun being tamil i think one of the things i actually use with dia and i think i've seen you use ananya also when you get angry is like addi vaangave you know it's like <laughs> the most common thing <laughs> very very true yeah yeah so talking about all this let's see what were some of the dialogues that you know we heard from our moms growing yeah and i think one of the worst ones is this next one you know that i'm going to say and i mean i've heard this from parents relatives anyone really right and i don't think a lot of people here would have heard about it but saying to a child like you know a child like say 3 4 years old they say shame shame puppy shame have you heard that rama oh my god it's absolutely yes <laughs> it is like i i think to continue with that it goes like shame shame puppy shame all the monkeys know your name oh god have you seen yes. that there is another yes. line too yeah yeah or even just yeah. saying like chi 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 and yeah. you would wonder right our listeners must be wondering like what is this all about yeah. it's basically when a young 3 4 5 year old child is you know in summer is running around with our clothes or in their underwear or you know things like that and mm-hmm. um it's actually said in a very like funny way is what parents think or you know people think it is but mm-hmm. it can actually have a pretty big impact on young children mm-hmm. and um teach them negatively about their own bodies yes i feel i always felt kind of embarrassed when anybody would say that to me mm-hmm. you know and uh, i remember one of the first times early on when one of our parents said that to dia and i was like no, no. I, i was like no we're never ever saying that ever again 
That's correct. Yeah, I, I totally remember. Mm-hmm. But you know what? It As you said, it was very unintentional, right? It is Definitely. very cultural. Again, this is a cultural exactly. stereotyping. Right. So like, you know, we grew up hearing that it was like, oh, it's not a big deal. Everybody says shame, shame, puppy, shame. But in this current age and generation, it's like you don't want to use terms like shame, shame, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and things like that, because it really can get ingrained and kind of lead to a little bit of that body consciousness. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not the most appropriate term, I guess, used in this day and age, but it was used harmlessly. And we talk about cultural stereotypes. That's one of the terms that um, I've heard our mom say shame, right. shame, puppy say. Right. The other one I remember is money doesn't grow on trees. Okay, <laughs> if you ask, if you ask our moms for some money or some, you know, you want this dress that was looking nice and you want like you want to buy that dress. One of the f- most common um, the ways they would retort would mm-hmm. be like money doesn't grow on trees. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that okay is very okay. important. <laughs> You know, the other yeah. one, um, actually very, um, it's a very common one. It's like, I am your mom. I know everything. Have you, have you gotten that? Yes, I've gotten that. And aren't we kind of guilty, both of us having said that to our own kids? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I was going to say that. And I'm so glad you brought it up too. Because many a times, you know, it looks like we're mocking our moms. We're actually not doing that. We're kind of, uh, you know, this whole topic about cultural stereotyping brown moms in the comedy scene kind of uh, prompted us to really talk about how we've heard the similar stories from our moms and mm-hmm. probably where we can change the narrative in this by not really stereotyping them or pigeonholing them into this. Because you're absolutely right. Like I say some of the dialogues I've heard growing up and one of the more common dialogues I've heard is this one. I'm your mom. I know everything. Uh-huh. So now with Ananya, whenever we have our own little arguments or, you know, she wants to prove something that she is right and sometimes it's probably not right and, you know, it didn't go the way she wanted it to, the way I was telling her to. And then immediately it comes out of my mouth like, so Amanos, everything. <laughs> and then she's like, she goes, Amanos, nothing. <laughs> it's a retard. But, That's you know, right. it just comes. I don't mean to like put her down, mm-hmm. but, you know, in a funny way, I I, I become my mom. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah. And sometimes I have to consciously like, oh, I just said something that my mom would say. And I have to uh-huh. like really be yeah. make it funny. So it doesn't really kind of. That's true. That's true. Make it, you know, she gets so sensitive to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think another big one is uh, one day when you have your own children, you'll know, you know, <sighs> when you like your mother is hurt or, you know, you've said something that upsets her. And then she's trying to tell you that you're, you know, that she really got hurt. Mm-hmm. And then when obviously at that young teenage years, you know, you don't really understand. And this is one thing that I I constantly heard. Constantly. Oh, heard. yeah, absolutely. And I, I am guilty of that, too, because sometimes when the kids kind of do something that is probably getting us to be a little upset or frustrated, I do tend to use this dialogue. Yeah, kids, when you have your own kids, you'll get to know mm-hmm. this. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's one of those comments that I feel our parents really, you know, said us and hurt us or something like that. I think yeah. it's, it's understandably a reasonable comment. It's a fairly, it's a common comment that every mom, brown mom especially, tends to say. But mm-hmm. I say that too to kids to make them aware that it's not, parenting is not like such an easy easy job. <laughs> Definitely doesn't come with a handbook, you know. It so doesn't. every day we figure it out, you know, <laughs> as we go. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, before, you know, we get into like, how did we, you know, you and me as moms become yeah. our moms? Yeah. You know, we have to take a moment, you know, all of this was, you know, fun and laughs. But like, 
despite the fact that they had such limited resources, yeah. you know, and all of these generational stereotypes that they, their moms, 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 and, you know, a slew of women had to deal with, right. they did the best job. Right, absolutely. Like, you know, we've heard a lot of comedians, right, talk about these dialogues mm-hmm. that brown moms use so many times. Although, we, and while we do see the cultural humor in many of them, we just laugh it off. It's just mm-hmm. so funny. We can identify with what our... Uh, parents are saying there are some things that that actually you know as much as they don't mean it they do say some that can have a negative impact right on one's confidence in relationships with others and the overall personality like the one you just mentioned like shame shame puppy shames you remember it even now yeah yeah and it's probably not something that's kind of you know making you giggle or laugh it's Mm -hmm. like oh why did they say that to me so as much like you're right as much as we acknowledge that Whatever they learned, they learned from their moms. And it was unintentionally passed on through generations. Right now, we're exposed to so much more of the outside resources that we don't have to just be exactly passing on things from one to the other. We just can basically um, change the narrative. Mm -hmm. Change the narrative. Yeah. So before we got into how we got here, I think we should take a moment to acknowledge that despite the limited resources that our moms had and a whole lot of generational stereotypes that they had to face, our moms did the best they could. Yeah. They lived in this very, um, you know, small world. We live in a much bigger world. We have all these resources. We have social media. Um, You know, we have a lot more exposure than our moms did. So. Mm I guess we have to give them that credit. It's not totally like, oh my God, they said this and it really, um, you know, put us through some trauma. They didn't intentionally say that. It's just these dialogues kept passing from generation to generation Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they did whatever they could. That's right. Right? Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. I mean, yes, like you said, you know, these dialogues have come from generation onto generation, but a lot of them, you know, as you know, the comedians, you know, this has been you know, a lot of cultural humor to a lot of them. And we've laughed about it too, right? Right. But I do feel like there are certain, you know, of those dialogues or those practices or, you know, the way they parented that did have a negative impact on people, you know, whether it's on our confidence, our relationships with others, ourselves, and our generally our overall personality. Absolutely, no doubt. Mm -hmm. There's always that little impact that it has or Mm -hmm. little to big impact, depending on the scale of what we've heard. Yeah. And we kind of narrowed this down. So one of them, one of the big things, I'm sure, you know, if you grew up in an immigrant household, this will totally will resonate with you, was comparing your child, oh you know, God. to everybody, like everybody and anybody, like family, friends, their friends, kids, like all the time, right? Right. And that's a typical cultural stereotype, right? This is a mm-hmm. very... A South Asian cultural stereotype where the parents always like, you know, when it comes to anything, scores, anything, immediately compare, draw a comparison between, uh, you know, kids within the same family or between friends of the kids and so on. That was so common. I don't think there was a single household that did not face this. That's true. That's true. In fact, I think I was watching one of those, uh, you know, comedy uh, videos about it and how this one kid comes home and, you know, he's got his report card. You know, and uh, the kid's like, dad, I got like 95 in math. And the dad's like, how much did Rahul get? Uh, Oh, yeah, he got 97. 
yeah, see, like, you know, instantly, <laughs> like, it's like, poor child, you know, you know, you know, this reminds me of, have you watched this show, Goodness Gracious Me? It's a, mm-hmm. it's a British show. Mm-hmm. It's a British comedy, actually. It's available on, clips of it, it's available on YouTube. And I highly recommend the audience to watch it. Mm-hmm. If you uh, relish some South Asian humor, that's a good show to watch. And where and there is this actual episode where the kid is like, you know, he's aced all these various different classes. I think at sixth grade, he's already like, you know, he's one of those geniuses who's kind of getting into high school and college and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And still the parent is not happy about him getting a B in music or something. <laughs> it's just so hilarious when he's trying to compare every single time the kid got an A. Oh, wait, that person got even an A. Kid got this and that person also yeah, got this. So yeah. Really, that is, yeah. that's a total cultural stereotype we can't escape mm-hmm, from. Mm-hmm. And I think another big one, and this comes from personal experience, you know, I love my mom, but she did this a lot, is projecting your wishes or your desires of what you wanted to be or what you couldn't accomplish in your life on your children yeah yeah I mean my mother had this fantasy I guess in her head that I would become a pilot Mm -hmm. and uh, I kind of have a fear of heights (laughs) and I was nowhere going to become one and I remember when I was in my teens and I was like doing my engineering also which was not by choice yeah she said oh I always thought you would be a pilot I'm like ma but how (laughs) you know today I can laugh about it because you know it was not even a remote possibility right you know it's it's a common joke right when the Mm -hmm. child is born only Mm -hmm. they'll decide oh my god uh, my my daughter is going to be a doctor Mm -hmm. or even or literally like the child has barely started walking but her (laughs) his or her profession is or career is already decided it's so funny. Or even the fact that they keep asking the child, right? Like right. two, three, like, what do you want to become? What do you want to become? <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. No, it's so funny. And I have to have say, you know, I'm, I'm a little guilty on this. So as you know, you know, in the South Asian, the, you know, uh, space, like everyone's either a doctor or engineer, right? right. Constantly. Yeah. Like that's like the big, two big things. So um, when I had Dia, like, you know, one of the things, you know, even now, like, you know, I secretly wish that she does not become a doctor or engineer, but she becomes like a dancer or a performer or, you know, something like that. And she also talks about it. And every time she says that, I'm like, yes, yes, Dia, that's what you want to (laughs) be. So you're projecting too, Shweta. (laughs) Exactly. exactly. So I'm telling you, it was unintentional what our moms did Mm -hmm, because, you mm -hmm. know, we also are are doing some of these things as Mm -hmm. well. Like, you know, bragging. My mom is, you know, she's done this several times. She brags about me to no end in front of Mm -hmm. uh, family and friends. Very rarely (laughs) she'll appreciate me when I'm around. It's like, I really have to like ask her, like, you know, she'll always say something about my brother, something nice about him. And I have to like go like, hey, what about me? Like, you know, and she's like, of course, you are also like this. You're Uh also so Uh good and blah, blah, Uh blah. But, you know, rarely in front of me. But I've heard from people that she really brags about me, you know, to them. So it's almost like something that's such a common thing. You feel like you're not good enough in front of your parents. But if you ask, you know friends and family around they'll right. tell you that you know your parents have placed you in like the highest spot you know yeah and then we're like you know we and then you're like oh my god I really felt this so bad about my mom and I was so I'm mad at her for no reason because she actually did say some wonderful things about me to somebody else mm-hmm. but why is she not saying it in front of me exactly and I think that's <laughs> one of the things I still remember going to my mother's best friend and being like why does my mom never say one good thing about me She's like, oh, my God, what are you talking about? She can't stop talking about how good you are and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, 
Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And the other thing I think is, uh, you know, which actually this tends to have a big negative impact is emotional blackmail. Ooh, that's a big one. That's a big one. That's a it's very a common huge. one. And it's a big one. Yeah. And it's, you know, if you watch any Bollywood movie, the typical mother portrayed there, you know, blackmailing the child with for everything, for right. everything and anything. Right. And this can lead to like even the small things, right? Mm-hmm. From small to big things, it can lead to a unnecessary guilt, right? you know, for right. the child, right? Because the child thinks, oh my God, like I'm doing something wrong. Right. But no, you know, it's really not that. Right. No, and that that I think actually has when we talk about we were talking about the negative impact and the traumatic impact. Fine, she didn't, you know, parents didn't really praise us in front of them and stuff like that. Probably that has lesser of an impact than an emotional blackmail. That really leaves a big scar. Right. Sometimes right. depending on how intense it's been. And so that is something it's very common in our culture. Mm-hmm. And, and brown moms do that. And I think a lot of this emotional blackmail actually stems from portraying yourself and your family, your kids as like ideal to society. Mm, right. Like, as you know, you know, the famous dialogue, you know, among South Asians, among Indians has always been like, what will people say? What will people think? Correct. What will society think? You know, it's almost like they don't want you to do what you want to do because they're afraid of the repercussions of what other people will say. Correct. And almost a lot of families, a lot of people live their entire lives like this, you know, and it can be very, very taxing because at the end of it, when you look back, you're like, I didn't do any of the things I wanted to do because, you know, let's be fair, like whether you're extremely successful, you're not successful, whether Mm -hmm. whatever it is, right, there are always people that will have a problem and always say something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so there is never an ideal, yeah. right? Yeah. The ideal is the life you want to lead is what's ideal. Absolutely. Yeah. And things I think like, like we said, the things are changing now. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. there's a lot less of it happening. But we're talking about how I think it was more prevalent when we were growing up mm-hmm. in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think the other big thing is like, especially when it comes to like South Asians, you know, a, a lot of the pressure in South Asian families is put on the son, you know, to take care of the parents when they age and things like that. So that actually, we call it Mm codependency, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've talked about like sacrifice and selflessness, etc. in our self-love episode. So basically, this codependency puts, you know, things like sacrifice and selflessness on a pedestal. And that itself creates this emotional tie and that emotional guilt among with children that it doesn't come from like a good place, but they feel like, oh my God, I have to be successful. I have right. to do all of these yeah. X, Y, Z things in order to, you know, take care of my parents Correct. because that is the expectation. Correct. So you really basically, what happens is sacrificing one's own goals and objectives or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. ideals because they have to conform to make sure that it's, you know, they have to do whatever is best to support the family. Mm-hmm or support the parents and yeah. and there's always this code it, it, i think it's it's beautiful at the same time also it has its negative impact right. it's beautiful because it's a nice cultural a way of uh, keeping families together mm-hmm. communities agree, together where the parents 
and the kids and the siblings all kind of, you know, codependent. So they they form a beautiful network Mm -hmm. where the children are also grown in that beautiful nexus of love and affection this family shares. But at the same time, even it makes it like it has to be done that way Mm -hmm. or putting a more pressure to make it happen Mm -hmm. rather than making it blossom organically is when things start, you know, going on the wayside. Mm -hmm. So I guess codependency is definitely a big, um, a stereotypical thing that our parents, culturally, the parents tend to do. And also this false responsibility, right? Whether you are an only child or the oldest child, the pressure in South Asian communities is is kind of real. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to succeed. You have Mm -hmm. to be that poster child, (laughs) you know, there's no loss. There's no losing here. No. It's always going to be a yeah, win. Yeah. And win is what is defined by the family. Exactly. And exactly. the victory is never defined by the individual. It's more like this is what victory means to us. And this is exactly what you have to do. Mm-hmm. And even the victory that is defined by the family is not really defined by the family, right? It's right. defined by the society, the standards that are built in society, right. by the kind of people they are surrounded with. Correct. Right. A lot of it has to do with your social economical, you know, status and all of those factors come into play. And that's how, like, you know, our notion of like uh, success is formed. Right. I mean, you know, there's always and the last thing I think we have to state is conditional love. Right. I mean, it's like it's like almost training a dog. (laughs) Right. So if you are getting good grades, if Uh you are having uh a good behavior, you've done something that pleased your family or your society or some way, then you get a reward from the family or from your near and dear ones. And sometimes if things don't go exactly that way, it feels like you get penalized, right? Mm -hmm, From not mm -hmm. being that idol that they want you to be. So I guess that's another very uh, South Asian kind of stereotype, Mm -hmm, right? When mm -hmm. it comes to parenting. But, you know, it's it's really these are some of the common stereotypes that we face, and some of the ones we just picked and chose these ones because these tend to have more of a negative impact. You know, the rest of the stuff we're talking, the comedy that's all mm-hmm. there, but this tends to have a real mm-hmm. negative impact. You know, in the child or in in their upbringing, and we've been also exposed to that growing up in India. But today, I think we're actually sitting here and we're having this discussion tells a lot about how far we've come, right? True. In all of this, mm-hmm. you know, we're not agreeing to many of these standards that was set before. We're actually kind of trying to change the narrative mm-hmm. of this parenting uh, approach as well. Because today as moms, we consider ourselves lucky that we have so much exposure. We have the internet, we have the social media, we have, you know, tons of books, audiobooks, you name it. We just have everything, YouTube videos. We just have everything that we get exposed to. And I think thanks to the exposure, what we have is also the the courage and the confidence to actually talk about it and question these exactly, norms, you know. Right. And I feel like th- that's the exposure that's kind of given us, you know, the weapon or like the the tools to be able to say like, is this the right way to parent? Is this what we should be doing? Like we're even questioning all of this and trying to change right. in itself is a testament to, you know, how far we've come. Exactly. So that's that's very true. So having said that, what do you think, Shweta, are some of the ways we should parent differently? Like how how has our parenting now evolved mm-hmm. in recent times? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that comes to mind is uh, 
when when we asked our parents something, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, no, you can't do this. <laughs> That's true. And that was it. And that was no it. was the popular there word. Was no explanation as to why no. Like, yeah. what happens if I do so? Yeah. It was like because I said so. You know. So I feel like I think that's one of the things that you know. Um, I early on I remember you know as a mom that it kind of had naturally come to me like no. Yeah. You know, and then like I rem- I remember Arun like kind of reminding. No, no, no. You need to sit down with Dia. You need to talk to her. You need to explain to her. You know, and it's like yes, it it does require oodles of patience. You know, right. as with anything with to do with parenting. But yeah, just explaining to them why, however big or small, makes mm-hmm. a huge difference. And then they will, you know, agree, or they'll have a discussion. It kind of opens the doorways to, of conversation, you know, between you and your child, rather than just saying no. and that's it yeah because it gives an opportunity for the child also to have you know develop reasoning skills right mm-hmm. otherwise they're always going to be used to hearing some a uh, particular uh, form of announcer from a parent and they would initially they'd be like why did they say why but later on they'll just kind of robotically just absorb and say okay fine now but they wouldn't start thinking why it was said and there'll be misunderstandings too growing up they after they grow up then they'll be like probably be emotionally impacted by that and come back and say you guys just said no for everything i mean you never said a reason uh-huh. so uh-huh. it does have a negative impact you're absolutely right and the other another big thing i think in our culture is screaming and yelling at your kid <laughs> oh my god that was my childhood <laughs> yeah oh yeah that was my entire i think not my childhood but my in my entire teenage years and my 20s uh-huh. was spent just getting yelled at like every single day every single day and i think we i i mean parenting is no job right mm-hmm. i think one mm-hmm. of the qualities or virtues a parent gains by really becoming a parent is patience yes right yes. you know you, you may not have any patience before having a child but after having a child you i don't know from where it comes you just develop that ton of mm-hmm. patience mm-hmm. so i think you know the screaming and yelling i can understand why parents do that and i have been guilty of it i'm sure you've been guilty of it mm-hmm. totally. but i think the difference that we have now is that we're actually saying that we are guilty of it yeah. the fact yeah. that we're actually admitting yeah. oh my gosh yes i yelled at the child and i think that was guilty of it and i'm being be more consciously aware and trying ways to really not get a situation all the way there to yelling mm-hmm. versus trying to reason it out and really understand that you know even this 5 or 10 year old is an individual exactly. it's a person exactly. they have their own likes and dislikes uh-huh. so really not putting a you know that's a child and i'm the adult and you should know you should mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know hear from me so really considering each age group whatever age group it is as an individual person that's true so giving that respect to them i think we are also learning Mm-hmm. and we're being more consciously aware so and i think even if you yell and scream like you know yes you're guilty but actually what i have found is you know the times i've really gotten upset with dia and yelled at her mm-hmm. if i actually apologize to her and then say i'm really sorry i shouldn't have yelled at you i shouldn't have yelled at you you know mm-hmm. i know you didn't feel really good right i've seen it makes so much of a difference oh yes and yeah because you know then they understand that doesn't matter if you you know you're older you're younger you're a child you're an adult when you do something wrong it's okay to apologize yeah you know? absolutely and i've done that mm-hmm. i've done that too you know after i've had a little bit of spat with anya or you know and i come back to her and i do apologize and i explain it really ends well the kid understands you know mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. 
the respect still remains. In fact, I think they would probably respect the parent more. Definitely. Because of this very sheer approach that mm-hmm. the parent did by mm-hmm. going and apologizing. Because you don't want to teach a child that screaming is the way to get something done. That's right. They, they should not learn that. Mm-hmm. And I think a, a, this is like our last one and a pretty big one, you know. Um, you know, kids, kids are curious and they are all about the why. Right. Why should I do this? Why should I not do this? You know? So I think the way we grew up was asking these questions, why, and mm-hmm. reasoning with your parent was actually, when you're told to do something, was actually considered also a part of talking back to them. Oh, yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. Especially if they were, if the person who told us were like our grandparents or like somebody really older person. Yeah. Yeah. By age. Mm-hmm. And if we said, why should we do that? It was like talking back. They are your elders. You have to listen to them, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I think in this regard, actually, I got really lucky. Although my mom, like my parents were like that, you know, I think one of the one person who I would always go to and I was, you know, like any other child, a big why, why, why for everything mm-hmm. was my granddad. He had my tata. He had so much of patience. Mm -hmm. And I would ask him a lot of things when it comes to like religious things. You know, he would do, he was very religious. He, you know, used to do a lot of pujas and all the rituals at home. Mm -hmm. And I remember I would always sit next to him in the puja room. I would observe everything he was doing. And I had questions after that. Mm -hmm. And he would actually sit down and explain every single thing to me. And I remember how good that made me feel, you know? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) absolutely. So that's great. And we're almost, um, it's almost time. And we should end this episode on a high note, right? Because we're talking about progressive parenting Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and progressive parenting, progressive grandparenting too, because a big (laughs) shout out to Nirmala, the grandmother, and never have I ever the show where in one of those full circle moments, um, if you remember, the, do you remember that episode, uh, Shweta? I think this was the final episode, I think I right? know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> where yeah. Devi Vishwakumar stumbles upon her mom kissing a colleague at the office and she comes back home and she kind of unleashes this whole, whole anger and grief on Nalini Vishwakumar, her mom. Yeah. And she's like, I guess I know where my lying gene comes from because you are the biggest liar of us all. Oh my gosh. And immediately once she blurts that out, the paternal grandmother, you know, Nalini's mother-in-law actually, mm-hmm. just steps in and she defends her daughter-in-law. She's like, your daughter-in-law here, you should, Davy goes like, your daughter-in-law here got a boyfriend five minutes after your son died. And Nirmala actually surprisingly steps in for her daughter-in-law and supports her and mm-hmm. actually gives a nice little slap to Davy and says, your mother is an adult and she's the reason you have everything you have, including your life. She can do what she wants without your judgment. So a big shout out to Nirmala. Definitely. And I think it literally made my jaw drop when she actually said that, because that's not what I expected at all. Yeah. Because also, it's not even her mother who said this, you know, it's her mother-in-law. And you know how that relationship can work, right? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Especially if, you know, I guess uh, the mother-in-law, you know, daughter-in-law relationship across, you know, cultures has its, you know, rough spots. Yeah. But like, especially in the South Asian space, you know that it is so tricky. Right. You're always walking on thin ice, you feel like. And when she said this, it was like, wow, bravo. Yeah. Like, that was such an amazing um a dialogue that she actually said and how she, you know, took the side of her daughter-in-law. That just tells, like, you know, we're talking about the cultural stereotypes of how, you know, the brown moms have evolved, especially in the comedy space. Mm -hmm. But that particular moment 
really kind of declared a whole new era. Totally. Of, totally. Um, you know, whole new era of where this whole of the stereotyping just fell apart because mm-hmm, we just mm-hmm. saw yeah. such a progressive statement coming out of the grandmother, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and it was more empowering. You know, empowering in the face of everything that you've ever seen, you know, yeah, that's exactly. been so restrictive. It was a breath of fresh air. Yeah. And we really hope to see more yes. of that. We hope, yes. you know, in the next season. Yes. <laughs> we really hope to see more of uh, Nirmala and, you know, just a lot more ways of like uh, crushing stereotypes. Right. This is exactly what we mean by changing the narrative. Mm-hmm. It like starts right there. Totally. And that was changing the whole narrative from being more empowering rather than being restrictive, which is what we've been used to hearing and listening and seeing all this part. So, yay, you go Nirmala. <laughs> and what a great show. People, you should watch it. Never have I ever. Yeah. So I hope you all enjoyed this episode and uh, a lot of the stuff resonated with you. And yeah, just keep it coming and we'd love to hear from you as always. Thank you so much for all the reviews and feedbacks that you guys provide. It means the world to us. So keep it coming and have a wonderful day. Yep. Bye for now. Bye. If you like what you heard, give us a rating. Leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast wherever you stream podcasts. It would mean the world to us. Have any questions or simply want to drop us a note? We'd love to hear from you. Write to us at chaibreakpodcast at gmail.com. That's C-H-A-I-B-R-E-A-K podcast at gmail.com. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at chai underscore break underscore podcast or visit us at chaibreakpodcast.com.